Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 7, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we are at page 52, the first paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Naomi B., for the 12 Traditions, Yvette A., and the readers are Rachel W., Du L., and Deborah R. The reference numbers for Tuesday, June 6, 2017 are for 7 a.m. 10013 and 10 a.m. 10015. That's 10,013 and 10,015. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 steps. Hi, Katie. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay, thank you. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. I will now ask Yvette A. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Yvette A. from New York. The 12 Traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, each OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Yvette. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 52, the first paragraph. I will ask Rachel W. to begin reading, and she will be reading three paragraphs, and we will be commenting on all three. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks for your service. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. Good morning, everyone. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman in a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I bet they do it, maybe not so long either. Is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something new which does? 
We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply our human problems this same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And I'm just going to, I'll set my timer. Um, wow, this is such a great paragraph. I have the, you know, I have it all, all marked up. <laughs> um, you know, it, we're, you know, talking here about, about the idea of, um, you know, re, re, you know, relying on this spirit of, can we, can I, can I stop doubting that there could be a God or be a power in the universe? My idea didn't work, but, but the God idea did. My idea was, um, something happening in my life, so run to the food. You know, the food was always a solution. And, and the God idea, the reason, there were a few reasons why it was so hard for me. And um, even though I, I, I do have a belief, I do have a belief in a creator of the world. You know, I, I've got that. But the God idea of, of, of me really relying on God for something, that, that, was, that took a lot of work until I actually could come to that point. And the first place I... I had to go, you know, because my solution, again, I was going to say my solution was, you know, just to eat. And when the solution of not eating came up for me, I remember I was an adult woman with a driver's license and children and responsibilities. And I was crying to my sponsor because it was like I felt like she was telling me to take off an oxygen mask. That's how bad it was. Like, don't take this away from me. And she's telling me, no, you can lean into God. You, there is something more you can lean into. And I think, you know, the first place I went to find this, this relationship with, with, that I have now today was, was to my sponsor, you know, to, to ask her, how do you do this? How do you find your higher power? And then, and then in, in that process, it led me to understand that the first place, you know, the second place I had to go was to understand that I'm not God. You know, I was, I, that was a real revelation to me. It's still a revelation to me sometimes. I, my you know, I, I, I very much believe I am an authority figure. I, I believe I'm above a lot of things. I used to believe I was above the effects of food. You know, I thought I could eat whatever I want and, and my body wouldn't find out about it. You know, I thought I was above time. I could be late and, and just not, you know, not honor boundaries and people's boundaries. And that's fine. You know, I even think, think still sometimes that I'm above this process that maybe I don't need to do my writing today or my meditation or there's times that I think I'm above recovery, you know, but um, you know, for today, I know I can just lean into this process and doing so, I don't have to be afraid of, of my feelings. I don't even have to jump into uh, in and out of a 10 step so fast. I can pause long enough to process it with someone, someone and um, I can, you know, lean into life instead of running away from it and instead of escaping. And that's what this program has done for me. These steps are my way of life. They are how I respond to life and they are a miracle and they're absolutely every day. Um, rolling out like pizza dough, I say it's like rolling out, enlarging my spiritual base so that God and higher power remain larger than anything I'm going through in my life today. So thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you. That was great. Thank you, Rachel W. Okay, who would like to share on page? Charles H. Dorita P. 
Matt Kim Tina S. Reba P. P. Okay. This okay. is Larry. This Larry. I have, uh, I can only take six right now. Um, so I have Charles H., uh, Matt M., Dorita P., Tina S., Kim G., and I'm sorry, I think there were some others, but I remember Larry Kay. And so if the rest of y'all could wait for the second um, round, I'd appreciate it. Uh, so we had Charles H., Matt M., Dorita P., I think it is, Tina S., Kim G., and Larry Kay. What is the reading, please? And we're on page 52 at the top of the page, but in most fields, and we're reading through three paragraphs. Go ahead, please, Charles H., followed by Matt M. Thank you very much, KDF, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overheater. Oh, man, this is some juicy stuff here. Complete liberation of our thinking. That alone right there is convinced me that, you, you, you know what, thank you, for, for uh, Rachel, what you said. Um, I was able to, to um, on a WhatsApp group, tell my, my pastors and leaders of the church that I resent, I resent your authority. Um, I think that was a major block, right? I resent authority, and I was able to be gut-wrenched and honest with them because my disease and the bedevilment in here really dominated my life. So, um, yeah, I got real with them. And it wasn't for no, oh, my God, that's so deep. No, it was because that was how I felt. And my my fear of being judged by them um, blocked me from doing it. It paralyzed me. And the, and, 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 and the dishonesty by holding these things, right? So when I said it, I was so free. I was even resentful with y'all. But I let that go, right? Because I don't like when people tell me what to do. I don't like when people try to tell me and, manage me and you should do this and you should do that. So I understand when the world say they don't, you know, they don't like the big book because they don't like, I don't like the truth. I don't like the truth. But I have to be, I had to be convinced by my disease that, yo, just being abstinent ain't enough. Just lying and saying I'm abstinent ain't enough. Just talking every day on the line ain't enough. Just, you know, mentioning my name. I'm so, my disease is so slick. I know when the moderator is going to, as soon as they say open up the line, I know how to be the first person. That's how sick my mind is. But when I shut up for a little while and work these steps like my hair is on fire, then, then, only then, and every single day, right, I got to do this. Right? These bedevilments is kicking my butt. And then I will get complete liberation. Is the problem removed as far as all these other things going on? No. But my thinking my thinking of the situation, there is a way out. There is a solution. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. Okay, Matt M., you're, fo- you're up, followed by Dorita P. Hello, can you hear me, Katie? I can. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater over here in New Jersey, Berlin. Um, these developments are very powerful. They really go to the heart of the matter. This is totally what my life was like. I was having trouble with personal relationships because I either became too clingy, I borrowed too much money from them, I asked too much of them, I became too I became too nosy in their personal lives because I didn't have much of a life of my own. I was lonely and less self irritable and discontented all the time. 
I couldn't control my emotional natures. I had like mood swings, like a roller coaster up and down. I was depressed. I was miserable with my life. I couldn't make a living. I'm an, uh, and I had a feeling of uselessness that how can I help anybody else when I can't help myself? You know, I was totally full of fear and I was very unhappy. I, I didn't feel I could give any help to anybody else, but there's there's a little something wrote here in this big book here in the margin that said, create a, create a step two vision of all in all nine areas. This will step this will be the step step twelve spiritual awakening. Like just turn this around. I'm having beautiful relationships. I could I could control my emotional nature. I was not afraid of misery and depression. I'm able to make a living. I have a feeling of usefulness. I'm not full of fear. I'm full of joy. I'm not unhappy. I'm happy. You know, it's really, I am being helpful to other people. People have told me that I've helped them out, and then they, by what I said in the line, people have told me that I've been there for them when I nobody else has been there for them. And I feel good because I want to be helpful to other people, not for a funny ego thing. I generally want to be useful for the first time in my life because I'm such a selfish person by nature, and it's disease, and also generally that um, I really think of others. But I'm getting out of myself. I'm getting more other-centered rather than more than I see me being self-centered. And it's a really good feeling. I feel like I'm coming around to the person I know my higher God wants me to be, my higher power wants me to be. And it's a great feeling, feeling that, that, that my, my, my heart is opening up to other people and letting me feel things that I never felt before. And it's a good thing that I haven't felt in a long time. And it's a really wonderful feeling. I'm becoming the man I know I should be rather than the man I know I was before. You know, it's great. It's a great feeling. And I'm grateful that uh, we read these three paragraphs. They're very, they are very powerful. I have so much highlighter on these paragraphs. It's hard to know which sentences from which, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's really I I feel like I needed to read these today because I do get into self pity mode sometimes, and it's very easy to just stay there if I don't look outside myself and make a phone call or go on a meeting and share and be, just get, generally get out of myself for the day. And I'm very grateful the meeting is here today. And this is a great paragraph to read. Move out, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Dorita P, you're up, followed by Tina F. Thanks. Hi, my name is Dorita P from Cleveland. I'm a compulsive overeater, a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, yes, yeah, um, when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, um, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Um, when I first came into the program, um, I was I, I was angry with God. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Four or five people died in a in a span of two years, and so people, you know, very close to me, my my father, my uh, best friend, and some others. Um, you know, so I I felt like. Um, God was just, you know, taking all of these people I love away. So I had the feeling that if there was a God, he sure hasn't done anything for me. And it's funny because I read that same thing in a big book. I forget which chapter it's in, but one of the guys was saying, you know, if there is a God, he sure hasn't done anything for me. And so I was going to act as if there was no God. And for me, acting as if there is no God just means, that I treat people any kind of way. I'm not careful with uh, God's people. So, um, so, so you all convinced me. You all convinced me that there was something. There was something that, uh, and I heard uh, somebody say. I, I think it was on a Sunday, a uh, special edition uh, this week. Uh, that you know, 
it's something, you know, whatever it is, that power, whatever it is, it's something that helped you all stop eating. So, uh, you know, so I believed it for myself. And it says, our our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. So I was just convinced by you all uh, not, not, not having to eat. And then I found out that I didn't have to eat. So I'm just really grateful for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Dorita. Okay, Tina S. here, up, followed by Kim G. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Uh, Tina S. recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Well, you know, I can just relate to everybody that shared. What a, what a great meeting. Um, you know, and I wanted to also, you know, talk about that uh, liberation of our thinking. You know, what a novel idea. You know, what a novel idea. You know, and it tells me in the book, 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 big book, there'll come a time when I won't have a mental defense. You know, and that's what I was relying on most of my life was my intellect. You know, but it failed me utterly. It really, really did. And and so, you know, why not discard, discard the old ideas for the new? You know, and I and I love that it talks about, you know, in our generation, you know, we're all on that. You know, if this doesn't work, let's try something that does. And And for me, in my own experience, you know, I had to do it over and over and over again, over and over and over again until finally, you know, I was beaten to that state of reasonableness. And, you know, and I love the bedevilment, can't speak today, bedevilments, you know, and the basic solution. I mean, it's a basic solution. My goodness, you know, and, and I relate it to every one of the bedevilments. They all happened in my life, and they all can happen today. If I don't continue to do the deal, I can still have that happening in my life today. And one day at a time, you know, one day at a time, I try to be the person that God would have me be. And, and for me, it was all about the attraction and not the promotion. You know, it was all about the attraction that I could see that it was working in other people. And so why wouldn't I have that? Why wouldn't I? And, and again, and everybody has shared it, you know, our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina. Okay, Kim G., you're up, followed by Larry Kay, and then we'll open it up for more shares after that. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Got the goosebumps with, uh, with this reading. You know, step one for me, I, when, you know, for someone who's been in OA, who was in OA for 17 years, having temporary respites, going into relapse after relapse, and now for the past six and a half years I've been recovered, what changed for me is that step one that said, you know, that I'm powerless over food, that my life is unmanageable. My life was unmanageable. I had to detach that from the food. Because if my life is only unmanageable when I'm in the food, then the answer is abstinence. But if my unmanageability, if I suffer while I'm sober, I need a different solution. So when someone told me to read these bedevilments, number one in first person, but number two to say when abstinent, I got very uncomfortable. So I had to ask myself, was I having trouble with personal relationships when abstinent? Couldn't I control my emotional nature when abstinent? Was I a prey to misery and depression when abstinent? And I had to say that that not only was that true for me when I was sober, but actually the food was the answer to these bedevilments because food made me numb. So when these bedevilments rose up when I wasn't eating, my solution was to eat and they would dissipate. 
And now I understand that I cannot eat because I have this allergy. And now you're telling me I have to live with these bedevilments with no other solution but don't eat no matter what? And what I needed was what, what Tina said. I need a complete liberation from my thinking. My, I'm not going to get liberation from my thinking from abstinence. I need a different solution. That is when I was confronted with the idea, not only the conclusion that I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable, but the conclusion I need a power greater than myself. That's all step two is. It's simply the acknowledgement that in and of myself, I suck as the manager of my life, that these bedevilments are going to be haunting me to the day I die. I wasn't afraid of dying in this disease. I was afraid of living with this disease until I was 99 years old. This is a miserable place to live, and these are my consequences if I don't do the steps. So I have to tell you, my step two was very simple. My step two is that last paragraph. My ideas did not work, but the God idea did. I was convinced that the way that I've been living my life up to this point, I am a complete failure. I, don't, I, don't, I have a belief in a God that I'm scared of, that I know is out to get me in my, my experience. But I see these people that are recovered, and they're saying the God idea worked for them. And my belief that it worked for them, not simply it'll work for me, my belief that it'll work for them was enough for me to proceed to that third step. And that is simply the second step for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And so we're going to have Larry Kay, and then we're going to have a brief announcement, and then we'll get back to uh, asking for more people to share. So uh, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by our announcement. Thank you. Okay, Katie, thanks so much. Am I coming through okay? Loud and clear. Okay, good. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate your service. Um, you know, I'm just going to focus in on, you know, uh, where it says our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. You know, at some point, my old model or perception for my life was no longer tenable in light of new discoveries about the reality of the world. And, and you know, in coming to, into this program, that was the case for me. And it was discarded for a new model. And, you know, that transition from an older model wasn't merely about self-discovery. No, um, it, it was about how I began to understand the facts in light of what else I learned about this new reality. About, In other words, my, my perception about, excuse me, about this disease of self that I learned about changed because of uh, an unprovoked assault of new facts. You know, and, and those facts didn't change. Those facts didn't change. I changed. And through these steps, we become uh, discontent, at least I did, with what is. And we discard, with, with, you know, we discard what no longer makes sense. And it's like the light was turned on. You know? And old answers which had failed me were replaced. And, and the interesting thing to me is when that light shines, when that light comes on, I cannot unsee it. Once that light is on, once you're presented with the facts about your, your problem, that light's on. You can't unsee it. Now, I can try to, try to fight against the new facts. But if I try to fight against the new facts, then we have what's called cognitive dissonance. You know, Our walk-walk doesn't match our talk-talk very much. If you're presented with these facts, as I was, you can never be the same. You're never the same person anymore. 
oh, you can go to meetings, but you're not the same. You can hear what you've always heard, but you're not the same. See, the light can't be unseen anymore. And that's the beauty of this. When I read these paragraphs, I realize that I'm changed. I'm changed as a result of these steps. We're brought into some type of alignment with a higher power of our own understanding. That light has been kind of turned on. It may have just flicker in the beginning, but it, it's on. And then we can never unsee it. And we know we're, we're cognitively dissonant if we try to, try to swim against the stream anymore. So when you hear someone leading a meeting or someone in a meeting telling you something that just doesn't resonate with the facts as you, your new perception, somehow you know intuitively you're on a different pathway here. Thank God for these steps. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Harlan, will you please give us your announcement? Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service this morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Oh, good. I'm very excited this morning. I'm very, very excited this morning because from the 15th to the 17th of September in northern New Jersey, the power of the Big Book Weekend is going to take place, and there's going to be a lot of love and a lot of recovery and a lot of miracles there, and we're going to get a chance to see what recovery looks like and what it feels like. There's going to be some laughter there. There's going to be some love there, and we hope you will be there too. This is an amazing, amazing convention, and that power of the Big Book Weekend in northern New Jersey is going to be an opportunity to really share and get <clears throat> get acquainted with some of the voices that we hear every day on the line and we can put faces to the voices and it's going to be miraculous. I've been in this program for a very long time and one of the things I know well is that God did not inspire me to come into recovery so I could sit in a room by myself and not eat. He gave me this gift so I could share it and be with other people who understand. This is a magnificent opportunity for information on this convention from the 15th to the 17th of September when the power of the big book is going to come alive, please go to avisionforyou.info. That's a vision, one word, the number four, you, all one word, dot info. And go to this website, go to the website, and register for this convention. I really hope to see you there. We really need you. And I have to ask myself a question when I look at this flyer. Can I afford not to go? I found money for uh, Oreos. I found money for all the Chazerai that was killing me. Now I'm going to go to a convention and be part of something much, much bigger than myself. It's going to be wonderful. It'll be better if you're there. Hope to see you there. Thanks. Thank you so much, Harlan. Okay, we will now open it up for more people to share. Barbara, Amanda, Barbara, Leah, M. Okay, I got uh, just one second. I have, I have Barbara E, Mara Z, um, Leah M, Du L, Melissa C. Monica, Monica T. T. Monica T. Okay, let's stop there. 
And, well, okay, I did hear you, Amanda. And okay, okay, let's just go with that <laughs> little list there. Monica, Amanda. There was one more I was going to write down. Okay. Okay, Barbara E, Mara Z, Leah M. I think I heard do L. Melissa C, Monica T, Vasa O, Amanda R. Was there someone else I missed? Chrissy G. Okay, we'll put you in and hopefully we'll have time. Okay, now if everybody could please mute and unless you're Barbara E. And then we'll have Mara Z. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I love this paragraph that starts with we had to ask ourselves. My history. I have been overeating since I was a child, gaining and losing well over 100 pounds every single time. I was arrogant. I thought I could do it. I could certainly lose the weight. My problem was my control would go away and I would have no control over when I lost control. And I hated when I was eating compulsively because I was abstaining from all the life activities that were going around me with my young children, with my husband, with the rest of my family, with my friends. I was isolating and eating. Was I, oh, I have to be honest here. Uh, Was I able to control the rest of my life? I was doing my job really darn well because I was calm because I was sedating myself with food. But I had to accept that I was still having trouble with personal relationships and my emotional nature after I got thin. I was prey to misery, and I couldn't help others. But I was thin. Why was this not working? Well, I was arrogant so arrogant. So my idea of control had to be totally diminished, deflated. I had to be desperate. I had to accept that maybe, just maybe, I needed to find something else in my life. And I came into OA 20 years ago. And honestly, I was arrogant again. I thought I could do it without those pesky steps that a couple of people were talking about. The big book. Well, I wasn't an AA person. I don't think I need that. Well, now it's almost 21 years later, and I realize I do. And I am working it, as someone on the line says, like my hair is on fire. I have to do it. My character defects will always play out time after time unless I take the steps. For me, the most important part is recognizing my character defect for what it is and then doing the opposite of it. And that's hard. I have to be patient. God decides when he's ready to remove my character defects, not when I do. And I have to be wanting those Um, defects to be removed, and I have to be willing to do the action and give an apology if it's necessary, make restitution, and pray for God again to help me 
uh, remove them one day at a time. I must live in honest reality. Open my mind. Change is risky. Change is tricky. But if I don't want to gain the 100 plus again, that's what I have to do. I've been very fortunate. I've been abstinent for 21 years. But abstinent is not happy. Abstinent is just abstinent. Happy is working the steps, believing I can change, being patient, and knowing that the one rule in life is loving and the only two sins are standing in the way of others and standing in the way of me. Thank you so much for being there, everyone who's done service and will do it in the next hour or so. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Maura Z, you're up, followed by Leah M. Good morning, KDF. Thank you for your service. Thank you for all the shares that came before. There are some incredible insights among our group. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional nature. We were prey to misery and depression. Feeling of uselessness. Well, I could make a living. Full of fear. Fear ruled my life. Unhappy. Couldn't seem to be real help to other people, but I knew how to do so as long as I was in martyr mode. Solution to these bedevilments, more important. What was that solution? So I never had a problem believing in God. So when I get to that last paragraph, we had to stop doubting the power of God. I, de- I never doubted God's power. I doubted whether or not he was interested in my puny little life. I knew he would work for you in your life. But me, I don't, I don't think so. Um, it was just, you know, that's the way it was. Unfortunately, I had no way to get to that connection to God. I wanted it bad. I believed, and I, and I believed he could work for everybody else, and everybody kept saying, if he can work for everybody else, he can work for you, Maura. Well, I didn't know how to get there. That was the problem. People just kept telling me to have faith. I have, I have learned long ago and reaffirmed recently that if I don't know how to do something, I can't just manifest the knowledge in my brain and do it. I need someone to give me the instructions. How do I do this? You know, I'm learning now about marketing my business. I've finally stumbled upon a couple of strategies that literally tell me step by step how to do this. And all of a sudden, there's a calm that has come over me because I've been shown the steps. When I was finally shown the steps as being the roadmap, as being the directions I was looking for, To get to that connection to God, the relief was amazing. And I hungrily, hungrily ate up the steps, worked them diligently, worked them honestly and thoroughly, and worked them with someone in whom the problem had been solved. This book is my Bible, without a doubt. And it has brought me to knowing that the God idea 
not only worked, but works in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Maura. Okay, Leah M., you're up, followed by Du L. Thank you. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. You know, as they're pointing out here uh, in this part of the text, the 20th century is full of that willingness to change, you know, to come up with a new idea. We're always willing to try something different. I mean, absolutely, especially in this day and age, um, to try new technology, something better, something improved. We're willing to believe all kinds of things, but are we willing to believe that we can be restored to sanity? You know, are we willing to believe that, uh, you know, the obsession of the mind can be expelled through this work? Are we willing to believe that our lives can become happy, joyous, and free, that we can be restored to sanity, uh, the problems can be removed if we implement these steps? And that is their argument here. I know I was no vision for you when I came here because uh, the unmanageability, you know, in terms of emotional, social, spiritual, financial, relationships, um, you know, I... I was uh, living a life of turmoil and torture even when the food was down, even when the food was down. No wonder I kept uh, picking up because I kept uh, needing a substance outside of myself in order to find ease and comfort. So more than, you know, my compulsive overeating had to be arrested, uh, my philosophies, my self-sufficiency, my beliefs, my attitudes had to be arrested. And of course, you know, as we know, when we apply these steps, what happens? There becomes a complete transformation where we go from a life that is self-centered, a life before God consciousness, like we read in the bedevilments, and we start living like from page 83 and the promises. You know, after we have implemented these steps, we begin to live, you know, the, the bedevilments are answered by the promises that we get in the big book halfway through step nine. So I no longer believe God will restore me to sanity. I will know that he has because he has done so as a result of these steps. So it's, you know, we're asking, they're asking for a leap of faith here. Once you apply the steps, you will be living that life of freedom and no longer need to seek substances outside of ourselves uh, to, to uh, conquer that spiritual malady. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Okay, Duel, you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Reader from New York. Um, thank you very much, Katie. Uh, it says here, you know, that we exchange um, old ideas for new and, um, you know, we have the complete readiness by which we throw away a theory or a gadget which does not work for a new one. And, you know, I was reading this, I, I remember coming into Overeaters Anonymous as an atheist and thinking, give me everything, just don't give me God, Um and but my life was unmanageable and I just didn't know how to apply that. And but, you know, when, when I think about a gadget, I think about my phone 
And I think how I trust, rely, and depend on my phone. And God forbid that I should lose my phone because my life becomes unmanageable instantly. My contacts, my information, the, the people that I rely on, the institutions that I rely on are gone. And, you know, and I get bent out of shape. Um, and, and they're saying, you know, and yet I don't know how this phone works. I don't know the intricate details of how that works. I just know it works. I know it, it's useful to me. Um, and so when I came into program, I, I transitioned to, I said, well, I'm going to have electricity as my higher power because, you know, that's going to work. But when I was asked to pray to this electricity, um, I said, well, it's an abstract God. I, I can't pray to electricity. It's not going to work. And they said, find something higher, better than that, you know. And I, I just didn't know how to transition that. But I, I remember thinking, the phone does work. The phone helps me out. And I trust, rely, and depend on that. And, and yet, it's something that I don't fully understand. And he said, just transition that same type of faith over to a power greater than yourself. Because the power greater than yourself is able to do for you what you can't do for yourself. The phone can't find you. The phone if it's lost, can't bring you back those contacts. But God can. God can get you connected to people. God can get you connected to happiness. God can connect you in a way that no other gadget can do it for you. And that was the transition that I had to learn through these steps that I had to come to rely on. It was that spirit, that power to transform and change me that I had to accept um, that did work because I saw it in others. I saw it in other recovered people that it was working in them and that it could work in me. And today I am grateful that, that it has worked and it continues to work as long as I stay connected. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. Okay, um, now we have Melissa C. followed by Monica T. Hi, good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so if you're prey to misery and like I was in trouble with relationships and can't control your emotions and depressed and you feel useless and you're unhappy and you're sick and you're tormented, uh, you know, and then add on uh, obese, um, isn't it enough of a reason to change a point of view? And, um, you know, it was like, what did I have to lose? Um, and yet, it, for me, it had to just, it had to progress until I could say, yeah, I have trouble with this. Yeah, I have trouble with that. When it was just, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, I guess it wasn't enough for me to, to change my point of view. Um, you know, so there really is a great value um, in, uh, in, in the progression of the disease, you know. And, and like the speaker before had said, I was thinking about my phone and that, um, you know, I'm so reliant on this phone today that, you know, I upgrade it as soon as my plan tells me, oh, Melissa, you can upgrade your phone. Um, you know, that when Apple sends a little message that you can update, you know, the phone by pressing the button, my phone could be working fine. But when I get a handful of those reminders, um, you know, I click it, I update it. And, um, and it wasn't even causing me a problem when I decide to update it. Update it. Um, you know, but change my view about God, holy hell, that was not so easy. And, um, you know, like laying in bed early this morning, 
the TV was on, my husband had the TV on, and there was an infomercial for something. And I thought how many times I would have fallen for any of those schemes that didn't even, you know, put my logic to it. I knew it would never work, um, but, I, but I would buy into that, you know. Um, and, and here what, what happened for me was uh, seeing others who solve their problems by a simple reliance on God, um, I had to stop doubting. You know, when you see others get happy and free and they tell you it's God and you want liberation, you have to take note. You know, I wanted liberation. Um, initially, I just wanted liberation from the food. And um, and so I said, all right, I'll just sort of use this pretend God thing for that. And, you know, even though at that point I felt like it was a pretend, it strangely worked, you know. And so for me, I took I took the next steps. You know, I relied on God for some harder things, you know, like uh, something at, at my job. And it worked. And, you know, then the next thing for me was I, I had trouble with the relationship with my brother-in-law. And, you know, I really, to me, it wasn't a great risk. I really didn't care if it didn't work so much, but I was willing to try. And it worked for that. You know, and so that's how, for me, this relationship with God has grown. You know, each time I rely on God for an area of my life that's progressively harder and it delivers, um, I'm propelled. I, you know, it, this God idea works. So today I have to rely on God for the hardest stuff, my kids, my husband, you know, and the amazing thing is um, it gives me the peace I always crave, total liberation, you know, it's a beautiful gift and it's a possibility. And thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Monica T., you're up. And then Vasa O., you will probably be our last share. So Amanda R. and Chrissy G., if you all could hold on till the next hour. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in the chapter, We Agnostics or another title for me, We Without Knowledge. I was missing something. And they have thrown this God idea at us here. And I've got the hair standing on my neck, and I'm not too happy with this, and and I'm doubting, and I've got all these questions. Well, I can't see God, I can't feel God. So they've been trying to get me to think a little differently and giving me all kinds of examples of, you know, how about, you know, trying to think something a little different? You think this way about the new gadgets, you know, no problem. You know, a new phone comes out, yeah, I want it. No, no second thought. So they got me to thinking about different things. So now they're saying to me, okay, Monica, well, how's your way working for you? And the second paragraph that we read, I was told that this was the dry drunk test, or I like to say the stark raving abstinent test. So you're abstinent, Monica. How's your life going without working the steps? Are you miserable? Are you still in depression? Are you still unhappy? Are you still feeling useless? Yep, yep, yep. Well, there's something you can get out of this. It's called working the steps. And this is, you know, this is what my life was looking like without working the steps, just being stark, raving, abstinent. It was awful. So they're saying, okay. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. You know, my way was not working. But something was working in everybody else's here that was working the steps. And it was like, well, I want what they have. You know, my ideas didn't work. 
You know, I had a lot of devil ideas and they didn't work. Well, Monica, why not try the God idea? And, you know, their experience shows it. The first 100 recovered that wrote this book and all the thousands who have recovered since, their experience shows the simple reliance upon something greater than me. It's it's just just a simple reliance. It's not telling me I have to understand it, that I have to have it all figured out, that I have to know, feel it, see it. It's just such a simple reliance. It worked for us. How about trying it? And with that, oh, the other thing I wanted to say is that these bedevilments, you know, these troubles, these torments in our lives will be changed. And the step nine promises are the opposite of these bedevilments. But I got to get to step nine and do the work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Okay, Vasa. Oh, you're up. Good morning, Katie and everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive radio. Ida calling for Foxborough, Massachusetts. And this was my last stop for me, you know, coming to over Ida's Anonymous. Everything I had tried in my life, I failed over and over miserably. And, of course, when I was miserable, I always reached out for the food to make me feel better or more comfortable. So I guess I had hit bottom. Uh, I was probably born with a disease, um, but I, my disease didn't blossom till we came in America. And I had gained 20 pounds in one month. And, uh, of course, we didn't have the foods in the old country we have here the junk food, the sweets and stuff. And I remember my aunt took us shopping, my brother and myself, stop and shop, and she said, load up the wagon and, you know, just put whatever you want in there. And that's what, you know, all the, all the alcoholic foods that we couldn't get in the whole country. And my mother was the happiest person to see some flesh on my body because I was always a very thin child, and they were always concerned that, you know, I was sick, you know. But anyway, so I struggled with the food from 15 years old till I was 41 years old until I came to this program and I was given the big book and the 12 steps. And I did everything in my own power to control it. It just didn't work. And I remember somebody 12-stepped me for about a week before I came to my first meeting. And I remember during that time she said, you know, you need to find power greater than yourself. And I remember saying, how can I, how can I believe uh, on something that I cannot feel, touch, or see? I needed proof, you know. But she's, I remember her saying, fake it until you get it. And you have nothing to lose. And there was nothing more than I wanted at that time, just to lose the weight, you know. I came for the vanity Thank, I was going to lose the weight and I was going to leave the program. I thank God I just stayed and listened and got involved in the 12 steps. I did right away, you know. Of course, you know, abstinence was a, a gift from God. I became abstinent when I surrendered. I said, God, I can't do this. Please help me do this. Help me to to get one day at a time or one meal at a time. And, how, and then the power... I, you know, I connected with the power right from the beginning when I surrendered. 
and I drew on that towel the first day I would get on my knees or even between meals I'd get on my knees please God help me I I was like a little kid I wanted to throw myself on the floor and I cried I wanted those alcoholic foods but I prayed I did whatever it took go to meetings did everything I could but anyways these are the best years of my life since I've been abstinent for three decades now and my life has changed in so many different ways. And that was a gift for me. And my mission today is to help others. What has been given to Time. me I'll wrap it up. What has been given to me freely over the years. And as I go through the step, there's more to do and more I see things to recover. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Basa. Okay, and thank you to everyone who has shared. Especially, I want to thank Naomi B, Yvette A, Rachel W, and Du L. And um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Um, the share ID for today, Wednesday, June 7th, is 10017. That's 10,017. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will do L please read a vision for you? A book is meant to be suggestive only until the end of the page. Morning. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.